Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Activate, a podcast designed to not only talk about faith, but to challenge you to make it an active part of your life. I'm Brandon Reeve, and we're excited you're hanging out with us today. I'm joined, as always, with Pastor Christian Newsom, uh, pastor of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri, and today we will be having a conversation about a recent message from our series Better Together, Secrets of a Great Marriage. But before we jump into this, we love to start our podcast with a few questions from our listeners, and we have a couple today. And this series has not had a lack of questions because we are talking about marriage and relationships. So let me share a couple of these with with you, Christian, and I'd love to hear your answers. Um, One listener says this, let me cut right to the chase. Where should a young Christian single woman look for a young Christian man? She says, I'm struggling to find a solid relationship. Well, great question. And, um, you know, thanks for giving us a chance to speak into it. You know, your greatest fear is that when, as a church, you focus on marriage, it's that single people just check out. And in reality, everything they're learning, it's more golden for the person not married than for the person married. We had a sign hanging in our locker room when I played football at Liberty University that said it's better to train a child than repair an adult. Everything that married people are learning through this series they're having to retrain themselves a little bit. So for a single person to learn about Christian marriage before they get married, I mean, it's really, really great. Uh, as for the question, kind of just off the top of my head, I'm going to give you five places. Okay, first, your church. I mean, if you're looking for a good Christian guy, you want somebody who's engaged in church. Um, secondly, recommendations from church friends, because they might know people better than you do, uh, and that you know they might know someone who loves Jesus well. Um, three would be seminary. I was actually talking to one of our um, one of our kind of mid twenties um, singles a few weeks ago, and I said, "Man, if you want to meet somebody who like really has a passion to live for God and know God, get, like start going to a seminary, take some seminary classes, or get engaged in campus life in seminary because you you find people there between the ages of twenty and thirty five who are really going to deepen their relationship um, with Jesus. Uh, community outreach programs or mission trips or agencies are a great place to meet people. I mean, if you do big mission trips like with Compassion International or people like that, you find a lot of young single people who are who are going and serving together. Um, and then I have heard from people in our church, we've had some people that have had great success on like ChristianMingle.com, just you know, online trying to find people who are also looking for for Christian singles. So I was I would start with any of those places, um, you know, and ho- hopefully you have a good a uh, a good chance. But I, I would say this to um, to this uh, gal: uh, become a great Christian wife before you get married. As weird as that sounds, um, learn the principles in Ephesians chapter five and begin to love people like Jesus. Start with your start with your family, start with your friends, start with your acquaintances. It'll be more natural for you to love your future husband like Jesus if you can practice now with people in your life. Those are really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, that's good stuff. So Christian, I actually want to preface this question first. <laughs> I kind of find it odd that a person is asking a pastor this question, but I know you'll have some good insight here. So this person writes in, sometimes I feel like my marriage is vanilla. Um, just curious, Pastor Christian, what are some practical ways to keep the spark alive in my relationship with my wife? Well, I'm guessing here vanilla is not good. I actually like vanilla. Uh, I was thinking um, the know, same yeah, thing some, when I read that. I suppose sometimes yeah, you can put I'll, some toppings on it to make it I guess it they just mean it's like average yeah. or ordinary maybe? Here, here's what I would say, Brandon. First, every couple's different. 
Um, and the reality is the person who asks this question, only they really know what the answer is. But I'll, I'll help kind of trigger your mind a little bit. Um, probably the answer to this question is best remembered by this question. What did it take to build a spark in the first place? What did it take to build a spark in the early days? What caused you to fall in love? Uh, I have learned the thing that sparked the fire has to continue to keep sparking it if the fire is going to keep burning or it goes out like your fire pit in your backyard. Uh, what it took to fall in love is going to be the baseline of now what it takes to stay in love. So just a few things I would date and date better, um, upgrade your dating life and how often you're doing it, travel together, be adventurous, go to places you've never gone before. And so you have expectancy to go and see new things together um, and then dream together and work towards those common dreams so you can experience uh, exciting things together. Um, a bonus question would be this. Ask your wife this question. What can I do to put a spark back in. Instead of asking me, ask her. Um, I'm sure she'll she'll be willing to give you some answers if, if she knows you're sincere in asking that question. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you, Christian. Keep those questions coming. Um, you can ask Pastor Christian a question. Uh, you do that by sending us an email at activate at takethejourney.cc. So, Christian, let's dive into uh, this conversation today because we're, it's actually intriguing. You've entitled this message, The Dirty S-Word. And I know, like many listeners right now, they're on the edge of their seats. What What is the dirty S word? Sure. So everyone knows the dirty S word, right? For wherever you're listening to your podcast, we'll say it together on three. Ready? One, two, three. I don't know what you just said. I don't the, know. the dirty S word is not sex, um, at least not in the context of this message. It's the word submit. Um, submission is the total failure in the world of martial arts. But it's total success in the world of marriage. That's what the Bible teaches us. Wow. Okay. So the word submit. So let, let's let's unpack that a little bit. We discussed this a, a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth repeating, Christian. Why, when we hear this word submit, that a, that a, a bunch of us that are listening right now may be cringing right now? They hear this word submit, and they're like, oh, yeah. my goodness, not submit. Sure, I, I certainly do. Well, here's the deal. We, we don't have submit built into our natural DNA, and some of us have submit built wrongly into our spiritual DNA. So we, you know, we, we've only, we've only heard it wrong, both naturally and spiritually. Um, but somewhere along the line, all of us have some spiritual ancestors named Adam and Eve, and they passed along their DNA, which had a big dose of anti-submission, uh, built into it. Uh, we are not a culture that recognizes a lot of authority or submits easily to authority. Um, and honestly, for many, this is the true final obstacle in people's walk with Jesus whether or not they'll submit. And here, here's why. You know, the call to salvation in a relationship with Jesus is filled with so much hope. It's filled with so much blessing. It's filled with so much forgiveness that many times people say yes to what Jesus offers, but deep down they're still undecided on whether or not they'll say yes to everything Jesus will ask of them. Uh, and that's okay for a time. I mean, that's that's kind of the progression of a walk with Jesus. I mean, even when Jesus called his disciples, there was kind of a progression of revelation um, and what would be asked of them. Jesus, in his first year of ministry, asked his disciples to come and see. Second year of ministry, he asked them to come and follow. Third year of ministry, once they learned to know him enough to trust him, he asked them to come and die. And along the way, the crowds thinned because those who were willing to come and see were not willing to come and follow, and those who were willing to come and follow were not willing to come and die. And eventually, all of us get to a place in our walk, spiritually, where we realize we're being brought to a level 
of depth that puts us into submission to God. And there's a difference between being fond of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. Those who are fond of Jesus will uh, they'll follow Jesus as long as they agree with him. Uh, or they'll follow in areas that they agree with him. But as soon as they're asked to trust or to change based on Jesus' authority, to submit to something they wouldn't naturally choose, like giving 10% of their income as a tithe, like forgiving someone who's hurt them and letting them off the hook, which is what they feel like, like turning the other cheek and beginning to become humble in conflict instead of fighting back, like submitting to their husband or serving their wife, they're out. They're fond of Jesus, but they're not followers of Jesus. Um, now, a young Christian who walks slowly into this progression but keeps grinding it out shows that the Spirit of God has really been in their heart since the moment of their salvation. Um, and they keep grinding. They keep trying. Paul says in Philippians 3.15, hey, if even things you don't agree with, just hang in there. God will show you over time that he's right and you can trust him. But those who eventually bow out and refuse to live under the authority of God they might just reveal themselves to be great admirers of Jesus, great champions of Jesus in areas they already agree with him, even followers of Jesus for a season. But the Apostle John says in 1 John 2.19, um, speaking of people who dropped out of the race, they went out from us, but they never really belonged to us. For if they'd belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going out shows that none of them really belonged to us. There are some people who in a moment of authority and submission say, I'm out. And this moment usually reveals itself when authority demands submission and people say, no, it's not natural to us. People who really have the Spirit of God, they might struggle and they might fight hard like Jacob. They might fight overnight until some brokenness forces them to trust God um, because the word submit is hard. But when the word submit begins to become a natural part of our spiritual DNA, when we're okay with it, when we actually look forward to it, um, we know our faith is growing kind of like, you know, when a rose buds, you know, when, when you first get a rose and it's closed, you know, it's pretty, but it's not, it's not fully what it's supposed to be. It's only when it kind of blooms that you can see it deeply inside of it. When a Christian life begins to come into submission, it's, it's like a rose bloom. It shows us a lot about the inside of what's going on when you're willing to submit to tough areas. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Good stuff, Christian. Thank you. So this was a great thought from your message. I took note of it. You said this, Jesus taught that the goal of a relationship is more important than the roles in a relationship. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us? I'll try. So this comes from Philippians chapter 2, okay. uh, where it says that we should all have the attitude of Jesus in our relationships, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but instead he made himself a servant. So it basically says in, in relationships, equality is not the goal. In relationships, you know, being in a position of strength isn't the goal. In a relationship, the the mission of the relationship is the most important thing. And Jesus didn't consider, you know, the, his role to be the main deal. It was the goal of what he and God were doing together, which was touching and teaching humanity who they are. So, you know, I, I would ask people who struggle with the thought of submitting in marriage, what's the goal of your marriage? Like, what what is the goal? Um, if the goal is to have a relationship that mirrors the gospel, then the goal drives the action more than a role drives identity or or comfort in that relationship. Because you know, I, I've got mine, and I'm not subservient to anyone. If the goal is to love and be loved like Jesus, 
then this this shouldn't this shouldn't be a problem. The goal is more important than the role. That's good. That's good. So I've known some pastors when they come to the passage of Ephesians chapter five, they kind of gloss over it and uh, breeze through it, and like I'm not touching this passage. I thought about it. You, I, I actually tried several things to not. Yeah preach through this specific yeah. one yeah well, it's, it's that idea of submission we kind of cringe when we hear it and and but i love how you've simplified this very difficult passage so you state in very simplistic terms wives your role is to submit and guys your role is to die uh, can you talk about that a little bit more because if i had to choose one of those i'll go <laughs> right. with the submit part right right i'll, I'll take that right. one that doesn't sound so bad in comparison to dying yeah so first it it the the simplicity of that which is which is what Ephesians 5:21 through 25 and 26 says you know wives you're you're going to you're going to submit like like the church submits to Christ and guys you're going to give everything like Christ gave for the church one, one is asked to do something major one is asked to do something you know that's that's permanent um so yeah i i i boil it down that simply so that we can see that Hey, submit is it's big, but it's the lesser of of the commitments. The church gets to do less for Jesus than Jesus did for the church. Um, that's not saying that the wife in submitting does less than the husband does, but it makes sure the husband knows if you have a wife who's willing to do for you what the church did for Jesus, you better be willing to do for her what Jesus did for the church, which is the ultimate sacrifice. So, you know this this phrase is a picture of Jesus that can be seen in marriage, submission and dying. Um, and this statement is a picture that shows two people in a relationship that prioritizes the other. Submit says you go first. I trust you and what's important to you is important to me. Dying says all the things that I'm living for come second to you. So it's a picture of mutual sacrifice for the good of the couple. Christian, I uh, I hope I get this right. If my wife was here, she'd probably correct me, but I think I've been married 22 years. I'm not going to do the math now, but I'm pretty sure I've been married 22 years. But I still don't have this figured out, man. I mean, I don't understand this idea that God has chosen to use the institution of marriage between a man and a woman to demonstrate or symbolize his incredible love for humanity. Sure. Why, why would he... Just to, I want to hear your thoughts. Why would he do this knowing that we as humans have messed it all up? I mean, we've messed up this this idea of marriage, this institution of marriage. And then secondly, how does it work? How does this work? So I would say there's, I, I, as I have learned, I've, and I've learned more, Brandon, studying Ephesians 5 this time around than I've learned in you know almost two decades of preaching and you know talking about marriage and family. But I've learned that, that this profound mystery um, – in trying to love your spouse like Jesus has loved you, first, it gives you an unbelievable appreciation for how much Jesus loves you. I mean, trying to love someone the way Jesus loved you, first, it's impossible. Right. I mean, even even attempting it is impossible. But that the, that impossible task is given to us so we can realize the incredible grace of Jesus. So that it, you know, so that every time we think this is impossible, we're reminded. But Jesus did this, so His love for me is so much greater. So there's a big personal takeaway for us because we get to see how Jesus loved us, and we get to be amazed at His grace. But secondly, just in trying, I mean, if you have a couple that really tries this, it presents such an unnatural picture to the world that they look at you and they see something supernatural. 
So, so marriage refines our hearts, but it then becomes this testimony of the world to there's something different about the way they love. I've never seen it. I've never experienced. I've never felt it. And yet they're always striving for more. What could this be? And hopefully that leads to a conversation where we can say, listen, I, one, I'm still failing. But two, it's because I'm trying to do it like Jesus. And once you understand the love of Jesus, you can never submit, serve, or die enough to your spouse. Christian, you know, that's, that's, that's really helpful. Um, let, me, let me get really practical to a lot of people that are listening right now. Um, perhaps there's a lot of guys out there that are listening. And as a husband, what are some things this week that I can practically do to demonstrate dying so that it's easier for my wife to demonstrate a submissive posture in our marriage. So I'm going to rephrase that question. Okay. And I, I saw that as I was looking over these. Yeah. Um, I don't like the word submissive. Good. You know, and, and I don't think for the ladies listening that any of them wants to live in a submissive posture Beca- because marriage is like is a marriage is a partnership where we continually choose to submit, but we're not submissive. We're not, you know, we're not dominated. We're not domineered. We, you know, we, you know, we're not just followers. We choose of our own volition to submit. So I would rephrase the question, how, you know, how can I die to myself in a way that motivates my wife to submit herself for what God has called for us both? And here's some really practical things this week that I think would, would motivate your wife, um, to do what God has asked her to do. One, put her and your family first. Die to some things that they keep coming second to. Dream together first. Let your wife know your life and your future with her are so much more important than the business deal that you're working on or the business trip you're taking right now. Um, Die to a season of rec sports or a hobby that you're engaged in that your wife is convinced comes before her. Put, Put that to death so that she can see she comes first. Um, give up a guy's night or a guy's fishing trip. You know, quit using your vacation time just for you to go play golf and give that to her. Die to yourself so you can give it to her. Um, turn off the sports game that you watch every Saturday, every big Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday night. Um, Turn off the sports talk show that you want to listen to again. Turn off the talk radio. Um, Die to that so you can watch her favorite show or have a conversation with her or sit down and have a cup of coffee. Um, Sacrifice something she knows is important to you and make sure she knows it's for her, and I believe she'll be compelled to do the same. That's really good. Christian, before we end today, would you just take a moment to speak to those individuals who are perhaps struggling in their marriage, uh, they're single, or or those young people that are looking for a great relationship who might be listening today? Yeah, so I I would say this first. If you're a teenager, um, if you're not of marrying age yet, just go really, really slow. Guard your heart, protect your heart. The best thing you can do for your future marriage right now is, is to guard and protect your heart now. And make every decision through the lens one day of the person that you're going to be married to and how you would want them to be making decisions for you. Uh, If you're single or you're divorced, I would say two things very, very simply. Don't get discouraged. And if you cannot get out of discouragement, get help. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a counselor. Uh, We've got a, a great divorce care ministry here that can speak to your hearts. And if you're single, don't settle. 
like probably the best thing you can do for your future marriage is don't settle for someone who's less than God's best for you just because you're getting impatient. If you're married and you're struggling, you know, Paul calls this study on marriage a profound mystery. In the, in, in the disciples, it took them three years to understand the profound mystery of the gospel where they began to get it just a little bit. If you just now are beginning your journey to see healthy marriage, it's going to take time. As much as three years at a minimum for you to get it and to be able to live it. So I would say be patient. Don't give up. Um, start a 36-month clock and, and hope to be healthy long-term, not tomorrow, not next month, because it's going to take some time. Thank you, Christian. And, and again, thank you for carving out a few moments of your time to challenge us and, and not afraid to tackle the difficult passages uh, in, in Scripture. But more importantly, Christian, thank you for your encouragement to not only talk about matters of the faith, but to make them active in our life. Man, this has been a great episode, and we pray that our conversation today makes your conversations this week a little bit easier, whether it's with your wife or with your husband. And we pray that those conversations are impactful. Listen, we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. As you heard in this episode, Christian answered several questions from some of our listeners. You might have a question you'd like to ask as well. To submit that question, all you need to do is send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. Also, share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.